10 o'clock on a Sunday morning, and that means it's time for another edition of WISO's Weekly Radio Magazine. I'm Jerry Kenny. Pleased to be with you today. Coming up, you'll hear from some fellow listeners who are calling in to share their thoughts on life under COVID-19. Then on the Best of Dayton Youth Radio, student Zoe Williams tells us how she learned to appreciate old vinyl records, thanks to her younger brother and her dad. And on Veterans Voices, Army Ranger Sam Surwitz of Dayton remembers the support he got from his military leaders. Those stories and more. But first, some of the pressing stories we've been following this week as the pandemic continues. The coronavirus is putting additional stress on Ohio's already strained foster care system. For Ohio Public Media, WCPN's Taylor Haggerty says concerns about the virus have stalled licensing for potential foster parents. Medina County officials were in the middle of training new potential foster families when the virus began to spread. Jobs and Family Services Director Jeff Felton says about 24 families made it halfway through the training process before the county had to put it on hold. Halfway through, maybe a little bit over halfway through, that that tells me they're going to finish out the training, they're committed to doing it. And then to have that plug pulled uh, kind of in the middle of everything is like uh, just kind of frustrating. Felton says the 100 children the county is providing services to have been placed, but there's potential for an influx of new referrals needing placement. He says if that happens, it could take a lot more time to find them a home. For Ohio Public Radio, I'm Taylor Haggerty. Throughout the coronavirus crisis, officials have been repeating the same refrain over and over again. Stay at home, stay away from other people, wash your hands, don't touch your face, stop this virus's spread. It turns out this new normal comes from a very old playbook. WISO's Jason Saul has the story. With a virus like this one that's mostly spread by droplets in the air, it's when people come into close contact with each other that we're able to get each other sick. So in COVID-19, What's important right now to understand is that the purpose of this virus is to find a living cell to infect. Melissa Howell is Green County's health commissioner. And we know that with cold viruses and flu viruses, the way that um, a virus works is it invades that cell. It causes that cell to rupture, and then it spreads to other cells. But if we can keep people apart, we're denying the virus the ability to find another living cell. Coronaviruses are actually pretty widespread throughout the world. Every year, millions of people catch coronaviruses. Scientists think they cause about 15 to 30 percent of all respiratory tract infections every year. Since people who get the virus can sometimes spread it for weeks, people are going to have to keep staying apart, at least long enough for the virus to die out. If people start getting back together again too quickly, well, the virus, it'll start spreading again too. This all feels very strange to most of us, but Melissa Howell says that these tactics that we're seeing today to blunt the impact of the pandemic, they're nothing new. You know, historically, uh, any of these diseases, we're seeing very similar strategies put into play. The word quarantine is tied to 40 days where they would keep ships offshore for 40 days to keep disease from coming into a community. So It's something that's been around for a very long time. It's very unfamiliar to our ears today, um, unless you're probably inside of a a public health community where we talk about this, we practice this, we drill for this, we plan for this. For WYSO News, I'm Jason Saul.
When 83-year-old Lois Crystal went to the Springfield Meyer store last week, she found the toilet paper shelves already bare, but that's not what sent the retired hospital infection control expert home in tears. WISO's Clark County reporter Tom Stafford has the story. Lois Crystal and her husband Bob were clean out of produce, so she chose to go to Meyer's Early Bird Senior Shopping Hour. There were fewer people and fewer dirty hands and fewer snotty noses and (laughs) all that kind of thing. And there were cleaning supplies in use when she got to the door. I was impressed with the fact that um, they were offering hand wipes to people who came into the store. Some declined, (laughs) and I I wanted to say, excuse me, that's really for you, but I didn't. I refrained. It's what she found when she got to the aisles that really made her day. It was overwhelming. As I went up and down the aisle, everywhere, I saw people saying, oh, let let me reach up there. That's too high for you. I'll, I'll get that. Or somebody would knock something on the floor, and before they had a chance, someone would say, here, I'll, I'll pick that up. You don't need to do that. It was the same in produce. Are, are you trying to read this? Let, let me move down over and over and over again, every single aisle. I, I just, I was flabbergasted at how 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 kind and and concerned about other people everybody was as lois got back to her car she knew the groceries weren't the only thing she was taking home with her i knew i was going to cry and i'm i'm not a crier i don't cry at the drop of a hat but by the time i got home the tears were running down my face she first told her husband then texted her children about what she saw as a collateral blessing of the coronavirus. I, I was so glad that I had that experience. I don't think that that was particularly unique to that store. I think it was unique to this event that we're going through. I couldn't help but think, thank you for this kind of an outcome along with the bad. It was wonderful. It was absolutely heartwarming. And I will never forget that day as long as I live. In Springfield, for WYSO News, I'm Tom Stafford. We've got more COVID-19 information on our website, as well as an up-to-date resource guide with links to some important services available right now. Today, we're sharing some of the voicemails you've shared with us for our ongoing project. We're calling it Alone Together. It's where we ask you to tell us how you're getting through the pandemic, how it's affecting you at work and at home, and what tips or suggestions you might have for others. We'll start with a message from Dr. Himat Shah. He is the physician in charge of Kettering Hospital's COVID-19 critical response team. Dr. Shah says he's amazed at how the community has responded in support of medical professionals. Yeah, hi. You had put out on the air that you wanted some comments from the community about the COVID-19 virus response. My name is Dr. Himan Shah, and I'm the physician in charge of Kettering Hospital's COVID-19 critical response team. The views expressed are solely my own. As I walk into what we euphemistically call our Area 19, or ICU taking care of seriously ill COVID-19 patients, you cannot but notice the palpable difference. When you walk in, no one greets you with, hi, what can I say? It's another Monday, or thank God it's Friday. It is not. This is a unique team of doctors and nurses 
that are out there on the front lines, wanting to help the, the patients and the community, knowing that they're risking not only their own lives, but for the first time in our recent memory, their direct actions could, albeit rarely, indirectly affect their own loved ones, their health, their children, their parents, their spouses. I don't think this has ever happened before. And there is a tremendous support from their colleagues, their physicians, their nurses, their healthcare professionals, and also from the community. The community out there is really supporting us tremendously. A lot of places, restaurants are having a hard time themselves, and yet when some of them go out of their way to do a pizza delivery or deliver chicken wings, knowing that we are out there for 8, 10, 12 hours, sequestered in a closed unit, in a near self-imprisonment, that is truly moving. I just wanted to end by saying that sometimes it takes the worst of circumstances to bring out the best in people. This is one of those times. Thank you. That was Dr. Himant Shah of the COVID-19 response team at Kettering Hospital, who called our Alone Together phone line to leave that message. Now let's meet Bill from Vandalia and others. Good afternoon. My name is Bill Boy. I live in Vandalia, Ohio. And during the uh, sequester or the self-isolation, uh, I'm working on a T-shirt blanket. I have about uh, oh, 40 T-shirts I'm cutting apart. And uh, regrettably, one I just cut apart, I, I thought long and hard about it, was one signed by uh, Harry Chapin. But uh, this is for my uh, sister-in-law. I'm making the, the blanket for her. And um, so I thought she would, would like to have that on her blanket. So that's my project for the uh, next couple of days. Thank you very much. Good day now. My name is Janet Lastly. My comments, I am using my outdoor time to garden for different people, for the state parks, or wherever they need some gardening jobs done. And so that's something that keeps me happy and it helps make them happier. It's also easy to keep the social distancing when you're working in the yard. So thank you. Bye. Hi, this is Steve. Nikki was just wanting to know what everyone is doing with our time these days. Um, so I figured I would let Nikki and her backup band, um, the, uh, what, the uh, Wysoettes, like Ray Charles, the Rayettes, let them know that I'm making a very big batch of soup, probably two and a half, three gallons. Probably got ten kinds of beans in there and a dozen different other vegetables. And if I'm not careful, this is going to lead to completely cleaning out the refrigerator, which, of course, leads to eating way too much which leads to reading my library books really slowly, which is good since the library is closed and I can't get any more for a while. And then with all this rain, I probably should get out in the garage and sharpen my lawnmower blade because that green stuff's going to start popping real quickly here. <sighs> Makes me tired just talking about it. See you later. Thank you. Hello, uh, what WYSO. I listen to you about all the time. My name is Steve Ritchie. Uh, I'm a 74-year-old shut-in. I don't. Ha I can't drive. I'm disabled. 
and I have very little family except for my daughter and her two sons, her two grandsons, eight and 13. They're wonderful, and uh, I have found uh, there's very little th uh, that I can do, and I thought that I got very despondent. And then I, I got the, uh, the idea from the Lord that, well, why don't you get out that book that you have, you've kept numbers in for years, and just call somebody. This simply, it doesn't matter who they are. Just call somebody that you've known or you've talked about. Repent if you're not a, supposed to be a friend of them. Or uh, if you love them, tell them that you love them. And uh, uh, that'll be a way to warm your heart. And so uh, that's all the ideas I got. God bless you all, and uh, we'll see you later. Those are just some of the messages we've received from you, our listeners, for our ongoing project, Alone Together. We're looking for your stories as well. Leave us a voicemail on our listener line, 937-769-1374, or email a voice memo from your cell phone to alonetogether at wyso.org. I'm Jerry Kenny. You're listening to Wiseau Weekend. Thanks for joining us. Let's take a break from some of the news of the day and set our sights on springtime. Each spring, the American woodcock migrates north to the moist soils throughout eastern North America. The aerial mating display of the male birds can be seen across the prairies of the Miami Valley. Last month, WISO's Lila Goldstein went scouting for American woodcocks in Charleston Falls Preserve. When I arrive at sunset, Emily Houck, a park naturalist for Miami County Parks, is ready to see some of the first signs of spring. She's wearing a green Parks District sweatshirt and a very on-the-nose accessory. Can I just ask, are those American woodcock earrings or are they a different bird? Oh no, these are woodcock earrings. This is, this is my time of year. Like, this is the most wonderful time of the year. Like, I sing this, it's the most wonderful time <laughs> of the year because it's so exciting to me. Um, I love spring. But yeah, woodcocks, one of my favorite birds. <laughs> the American woodcock's nerf ball-shaped body sits on stocky legs. A long beak with a tip that can wiggle back and forth sticks out of its head. Houck says the open prairie right next to the woods at Charleston Falls is a prime spot that some birds scope out early in the season. Kind of like you walk into a bar and you see, oh, what's my competition like? Should I go to another bar where I'm the hottest guy here? Or can I compete with Joe Schmo over there who's the hottest thing in town? She leads the way down a mowed path surrounded by tall grass. Oh, he might just be the first one. Oh, <gasps> there he is. She hears a woodcock, and that's when we spot our first courtship display. The bird turns his body and opens his bill wide with each call. So what he's going to do is he's going to broadcast this call. And he turns his body different directions, just in case the lady's over here, just in case the lady's behind me. He wants to broadcast that call all over the place. Like, ladies, listen, I am... The best thing. Oh, let's go back. Let's go in. The woodcock spirals up into the sky. His feathers rub together with a high-pitched trill. And we rush into the grass to disguise ourselves, ready for him to land right where he took off. He's coming down. He's coming down. All right. Let's see. We're all quiet. And this is 
is what can be fun about it, is that sometimes they don't land in the same spot, and it feels like you're playing a game of cat and mouse with this bird. All right, we can get up. Yeah, well, typically, they do land back in the same spot, but if they feel that something's a little off, they need like a radio producer coming to record them. <laughs> right. Since we might have spooked the bird from landing in the same spot, we hustle over to another area and crouch down on the side of the trail. Where'd he go? Oh, there he is. Oh my god. Stay still. About 20 feet in front of us, the bird begins his dance. And soon enough, he shoots himself up into the sky, so high we almost can't see him anymore. All right, he's coming down now. Let's be quiet and still. And he lands right back in the same spot. He's like broadcasting. Come here, ladies. I'm so handsome. And there he goes again. And again, he darts back up into the sky. We see a few more fly overhead, but it starts to get dark. With several woodcock sightings, Hauk declares the walk a success, and we wander back toward the road to say goodbye. Wow, that was an amazing experience. Thank you so much for uh, being my guide on my first woodcock walk. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it was my pleasure. Like I said, nothing brings me more joy than connecting other people to these weird creatures. (laughs) When it seems like nothing is the same anymore, when we've canceled all our usual springtime plans... It's nice knowing that these strange little birds are still spinning into the sky and landing on their feet. For WISO News, I'm Lila Goldstein. And here's our very own Bill Felker to tell us his thoughts on springtime and the living world around us with Poor Will's Almanac. This is Bill Felker with Poor Will's Almanac for the first week of middle spring. It's the second week of the hungry moon when marginal pastures often keep cattle and sheep hungry. And it's the second week of the sun in Aries. Now, at the beginning of middle spring, When pollen covers the pussy willows, then honeysuckles and mock orange and privet and wild multiflora roses, lilac, black raspberry and coral berry leaves break out from their buds. And that's a signal for morning cloak butterflies and cabbage butterflies to navigate the warming days past equinox. In the last few days of March, when the pussy willow's catkins start to fall, the archipelago of early spring becomes a dense maze of islands unimaginable at the end of February. In the trees, the finches turn gold. In ponds, the toads are singing. Calves and lambs appear in the fields. Carp are frolicking in the rivers. Young opossums come out to play. Wasps crawl from their winter crevices. In the garden, the early tulips unfold. Daffodils reach full bloom. The star of Holland comes in beneath the bright forsythia. Buckeyes unravel. Plums bloom. 
And just as skunk cabbage starts to produce its foliage, the first tremendous mass of wildflowers suddenly opens all at once on the farthest and mildest border of early spring landscapes. The inflorescence of periwinkle and hepatica and violet cress, harbinger of spring, Dutchman's, Britches, Bittercrest, Twinleaf, and Virginia Bluebell, all leading now into the endlessly intricate paradise of April. This is Bill Felker with Poor Will's Almanac. I'll be back again next week with notes for the second week of middle spring. In the meantime, look for flowers. And you know, any flower means so many others are in bloom. Bill Felker contributes to newspapers nationwide, including the Yellow Springs News. Bill resides in Yellow Springs. Poor Will's Almanac is also available as a podcast at WYSO.org. You're listening to 91.3 WYSO, your home for independent news and information. Just ahead of us, two stories from the Eichelberger Center for Community Voices at WYSO. First, area high school students are at home now since classes have been suspended. Today on our series, The Best of Dayton Youth Radio, we hear from a student who learned to appreciate old vinyl records from her younger brother and her dad. Her name is Zoe Williams. I'm Zoe. I'm a senior at Stiver School for the Arts, and I'm also slightly obsessed with J.D. Salinger. Ever notice how kids these days are into old stuff? We post pictures of Polaroids on social media. We pride ourselves for listening to the Beatles. Even our sense of style takes all the best trends from the past 50 years. Kids these days, in a unique way, are obsessed with history. I love the sound of a typewriter every time I strike a key. It just makes me feel like a real writer. My brother Kellen has always been a bit of an old soul. His band covers B.B. King and Muddy Waters. We used to listen to Breakfast with the Beatles every Sunday morning. Just for fun, Kellen would browse the LPs at the local music store. He always strolled past vinyl of modern artists like Lana Del Rey or Adele. He even rolled his eyes at them. Kellen's main interest was always in the oldies, Tom Petty or the Rolling Stones. He knew he could never get them, though. He didn't have anything to play them on. Kellen's birthday was coming up. Not only was it his 16th birthday, but it was the last birthday he'd have before I would move out for college. So I wanted to get him something special. I found a bright orange Victrola record player. It was the perfect gift for a teen stuck in the past. Kellen's eyes lit up as he tore open the black and gold happy birthday paper. I remember he just looked at me as if to say, Really? His head kept swinging back and forth from me to the record player. My dad disappeared into the basement. Now, he has always been a music lover. For every CD on his shelf, he has a zany story about his days in L.A. or when he was in high school. I could tell my dad was excited because he ran up the stairs, something he never does. My dad had about four Prince albums in his hands and one Jimi Hendrix. The record had to be at least 50 years old. The sleeve had tears at every corner, and the gold background was faded. It even had that old musky smell. In the living room, 
My dad instructed Kellen on how to handle the record. Now, my dad can barely work his phone. He only just started sending texts by himself a few months ago, yet he was showing us how to use a record player. Kellen stared at the record, like it would disappear if he looked away. He spent the rest of the night eating yellow birthday cake and spoonfuls of ice cream, listening to Prince. Kellen had that amazed look on his face the entire time. He didn't have to say thank you. For Dayton Youth Radio, at Stiver School for the Arts, this is Zoe Williams. That's Waxing Poetics, written and produced by Zoe Williams, a senior at Stiver School of the Arts. Special thanks to Leslie Rogers and Eva Maxtudis at Stiver's. For Dayton Youth Radio, this is Basine Blood. This story originally aired in 2018. After her high school graduation, Zoe Williams' youth radio story was selected by the Scholastic Books Listen and Learn program and is used by English teachers in schools all over the United States. Support for Dayton Youth Radio comes from the Virginia W. Kettering Foundation and the Ohio Arts Council and the Veteran Foundation. I'm Jerry Kenny. This is Why So Weekend. And by the way, our local PBS television outlet, Think TV, has created a new schedule of programs for students who are now learning at home. There are programs for students of all ages from pre-K through grade 12. The content is based on educational standards and has been developed with input from the Department of Education and local and regional educators. It's intended to allow children to continue to learn from home whether or not they have Internet access. The programs air every weekday from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. The full schedule can be found online at thinktv.org. The Rangers are the most elite, large-scale fighting force in the Army. In order to become a Ranger, one must pass a series of tests that push the body and mind to the limit. But soldiers don't become Rangers all by themselves. Today on Veterans Voices, Army Ranger Sam Surowitz of Dayton remembers the support he got from his military leaders. So my first unit that I was in is um, outside of training, actually in the unit. We were just doing things on a daily basis that wasn't that interesting to me. We were inventorying, you know, I remember one time we did, the first time I had to do it, we inventoried a range box. It's a box of things you take to the range. It has earplugs, cleaning um, oils, and um, lubricants for the weapons. And so we were inventorying this box, and they wanted to know down to, like, the number of staples. And it seemed like a waste of time. And I said, you know, when are we going to start training for this mission? We're going to this embassy. You know, I don't really know a lot about the country we're going to. And they said, oh, we'll start training about four months out from that to get ready. And I'm like, well, what, what are we doing now? This is what we're doing for the next four months. You know, let's train. Let's do this. Let's do that. And so my boss, who was a sergeant at the time, said, hey, I think I know of a good unit for you. I think I know of a unit where you will be happier, actually, than here. And that was the ranger detachment. He said, you should go try out. They're doing an assessment. I know a guy over there. So he put me in contact. And then when I got to it, I went through the assessment. It was very difficult, but I, it was only a week long, and I made it through. And so they immediately started preparing me. This is what we're going to be doing. This is what it's like. And every day we trained. Every day I felt like there was progress. Um, that same original squad leader that I had at that unit, um, after my first deployment, I was supposed to go to ranger school. And so you had to be able to run a five-mile in 40 minutes to go to ranger school. And I remember very specifically 
I ran my five mile in over 50 minutes. I think it was almost, it was either 52 or 54 minutes. And I was like, you know, I could shave a couple minutes off, but I can't shave 12 to 14 minutes off my time. And, and so I talked to my squad leader and I said, you know, Sergeant, this is my time. Just being honest with you, I don't think I can, I don't think I can make it. He just told me, you know, you're going to ranger school, so shave the time off. Just get faster because, and he had, and he told me something, and I still think it's true to this day, which is that a lot of time in the military when people pass up an opportunity or try and push back an opportunity, you know, it's hard to get the stars to align to go to ranger school. Your unit has to be willing to send you. There has to be an open slot. There has to be funding. You have to be at the top of the order of merit list to go because there's other people that want to go. Um, and then you have to be physically able and you have to have all the checklists done. And uh, he just told me, you know, look, in my experience, if people miss this opportunity and they don't go, they never go. So you're just going to go. And I did. And I passed. And, um, and I got promoted after I passed Ranger School. I got promoted to sergeant. So just after, after being in the military for almost two years, I made sergeant. Um, so a lot of people don't have that experience. A lot of people are totally qualified to be promoted, and then they don't get supported by their leadership. And I was lucky enough to have good leaders that empowered me to be better as an individual and be better at the tasks that I had to complete. That was Army Ranger Sam Surowitz. He told his story at WISO as part of StoryCorps' Military Voices Initiative, which visited the Miami Valley last summer. Veterans Voices on WISO is presented by Wright Pack Credit Union with additional support from CareSource. The story was edited by Tony Holloway and Will Davis. Well, that's it for this week's WISO Weekend. I'm Jerry Kenny. Thank you for joining us this morning. We'll be back next week. Now, stay with us for Vic McCunis and the Book Nook. You're listening to 91.3 WISO.